Welcome to the Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. Our host, Oscar and Dermo, will together with guests share proven, tested strategies for improving your life and business. At the end of each episode, you will learn how you can use technology to implement those strategies into your daily life. We want to help you bridge the gap from inspiration to implementation. Hello, my friend. Welcome to Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. Uh, the purpose of strategic tech coaching is to help ambitious leaders and entrepreneurs just like you to be happy, successful and productive in a world that is changing super fast. And one of the ways that I do that is by interviewing really smart people and putting that out on a podcast so you can listen to it in your commute or if you go for a walk. And uh, one of the skills that I believe will be needed more and more is the, 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 the skill of taking ideas and turning them into reality either as an entrepreneur or as an entrepreneur. And uh, entrepreneur meaning that you act as an entrepreneur in a company. And this episode is about doing just that, that taking ideas to reality. I sit down with Magnus, Magnus Olsson, and he's one of the co-founders of Karim. And Karim is one of the unicorns coming from Dubai. Uh, and the unicorn is a company that was built up to valuation of more than 1 billion US dollars. Uh, Karim was sold to Uber in 2019 for more than 3.1 billion and it was founded in 2012. This interview is from 2016 and was first shared on the other podcast that I started together with my friend Barry. This podcast uh, that I have with Barry interviews business profiles in Dubai and in that region. And after I left Dubai in 2020, Barry is still working with the podcast, so he still interviews uh, entrepreneurs, entrepreneurs over there. And so if you're interested in that, you can just go to Swing Lanese and uh, you learn about, more about that. So, uh, but uh, I recently re-listened to this interview that I did with Magnus and I realized, realized that there's a lot of valuable content here that I think would be useful also to the listeners of Strategic Tech Coaching Podcast. So I asked Barry, can I uh, take the episode from Swing Lanese and put it on STC Podcast? And he, he, he agreed. So... Uh, a funny story about this interview. When I did this, uh, Karim was really in a growth stage. They were growing like crazy in 2016. So when I came to their office to speak to Magnus, it was people everywhere. They had outgrown their office, basically. So Magnus was like looking for a place where we could do the interview. So we went to the meeting rooms, and in every meeting room, there were people. There were sitting people everywhere. So at the end, he asked, is it okay if we do the interview in the server room? It's like, in the server room? Okay. So me and Magnus, we were actually sitting on stools in the server room where I did this interview. Uh, so you can hear the server in the background. <laughs> I really wish I took a picture of this now that they have sold for 3.1 billion and are like a well-known brand all over the world because of this. One of the things that Magnus shared was his five-year vision for Karim and that they wanted to get into moving things, not just people. And this is now exactly what has happened. With the Karim app, you can order a taxi, but also food or deliver things and many other things. So yeah, the, his, the vision that he shared in 2016, he has now turned into reality. So even though the interview is five years old, I believe there are so many lessons here. And uh, Magnus was part of this incredible journey of starting a company in 2012 and then building it up to 2000. 2019 and selling it for 3.5 3.1 billion dollars that's an incredible achievement and an incredible story so yeah here we go me and magnus hi this is oscar from the swing and East podcast and uh, i have a really exciting guest today so i'm really look forward to having a chat with magnus who is the co-founder of karim the taxi app that is spreading all over middle east and Magnus is a fellow Swede, so if we speak a bit Swinglish, I mean, uh, then uh, excuse us. Uh, Magnus used to work for McKinsey, McKinsey and uh, came to the to Middle East 2006. Yeah. 
and 2012 he left McKinsey and set up Kareem. Yeah. So we're going to talk a little bit about his journey from employee to Kareem and all the lessons. So welcome to the podcast. Magnus. Thank you so much for having me. <laughs> Excited to be on the live. <laughs> so first I wanted to ask uh, if you can tell us the story how you went from working in McKinsey to idea to leaving and setting up McKinsey. Yeah. Uh, setting setting up up yeah. So, um, this is a long story, but I'll try to make it uh, brief or a summary of it. So, um, you know, I, I've always been a, a bit of a tech geek since, since I was very young. I had a, always been excited about technology and computers. Then I had kind of um, gone through college and decided to go a bit more into business. So I okay. joined uh, McKinsey out of, out of school uh, to learn a bit more about how you actually, how big companies work. Mm. And I started with them in, in, uh, in Stockholm, mm. uh, did a short project there, and then I was sent to the Middle East on a, sh- on a project, and I basically never came back because I, I met my wife here and, and ended up staying in the region. So I was pretty happily working as a consultant, helping big companies with, with strategic decisions and projects, and, and, and actually was enjoying life quite good. It had started itching in my fingers a bit to <laughs> go back into the entrepreneurial world, but, but I was... I was quite comfortable and yeah. was having good fun. The entrepreneurial itch. Yeah, yeah it, so it had started, but uh, for me it actually, um, uh, it, it required a bit of a bigger, uh, big bang for me to make the move. Mm. So in my case, uh, about um, four years ago now, uh, out of nowhere, I had a big uh, brain bleeding. Mm. Um, mm. At, at first I didn't think much about it, but it turns out that I, I almost died. And, oh, wow. um, had to go to the U.S. and have a couple of serious surgeries. And long story short, um, they they got my brain fixed, so I'm kind of the upgraded Magnus. Uh, the, <laughs> two point I, I call myself two point oh. perfect. A uh, little bit f- faster. And um, on the back of that, I got a chance to think about uh, what's important and mm. um, what I really want to do in life. Mm. And um, I even uh, came up with my three commandments of life. Oh, nice. Uh, and I typically share them with fellow entrepreneurs um, as, as something to, uh, to maybe get inspired by. Yeah. And, and uh, in, in, in a very brief summary, they are, number one is that um, the discount rate on life mm. is really high. So, um, you know, for sure invest in the future, but mm. uh, never at the expense of, of living today. Mm. And secondly, is that you're going to be fine. So mm. most of us, Many of us have been blessed to be you know, born in a country where we you know, got the basic um, things provided for us. You know, we had parents that looked after us. And I had a chance to get a good education. Mm. And with that, I realized that you know, wherever I decide to go, I'm going to be fine. Mm. Uh, and, and so it's, life is no longer about survival, mm. but it's really about uh, figuring out what you want to mm. do. So you had a plan B always, kind of like... Yeah, no, no, you yeah. don't have to kind of go around hedging your way mm. around life, but you really need to figure out, if you know you're going to be fine, mm. you don't need to just you know, work to put money in the bank or whatever, but you know, all that's going to come. Mm. But then you really need to figure out what is it that you want to do. Mm-hmm. So that was the second one. And the third one was to let go of the fear. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I had realized that from when I was a kid and I was curious and, and excited about technology, that was all driven by curiosity. Mm-hmm. But over my professional life, that had been replaced a bit by fear. Because there's a lot mm. of fear in, in many of the big corporates. Mm. Fear of your boss, fear of your client, fear of not <laughs> delivering. And, and, and fear is actually it's, it's very bad. It, mm. it uh, forces you to make the wrong things. So anyway, so equipped with these three um, 
uh, life uh, wisdoms. I um, came back after my surgery and I um, told the guys at McKinsey that, um, guys, you're awesome. I love you, but I have to. I have to leave and, and do my uh, follow follow my 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 purpose. Mm. And they said, "What's your purpose?" And I said, "I have no idea, but uh, <laughs> it's no longer creating uh, amazingly beautiful PowerPoint pages." So when you left McKinsey, you didn't have no. So I didn't have. I didn't ah, have. Okay. Any, yeah. Okay. So how long time was that? Yeah. So, from so I left. I think unemployed. To yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I think I left maybe in uh, April, March or April of 2012, mm -hmm. and um, then started something called uh, that we codenamed uh, Project Bamboo. Mm -hmm. And Project Bamboo was uh, a couple of us, uh, including Murasser, who ended up being my co-founder mm. uh, at Kering. But there were a few more guys in the beginning. We met almost weekly, uh, had coffee, and just discussed what could be cool projects. Mm -hmm. And the, the criteria that we had, you know, I was the only one that had had a, had, had a brain surgery, but also the other guys had, had come to a similar point in their lives that they were looking for something that could be meaningful, mm. but that could also become very big. Mm. And big, not so much to just be able to make a lot of money, but to have impact on a lot of people. Mm. So we, as typical consultants, we, we created all these charts, and I still <laughs> have some of them oh, in my computer, which is really funny to look at, um, that actually lists a number of ideas uh -huh. and, and grades them according to uh, how meaningful they are uh -huh. and how big they are. Uh -huh. And on the list, we started looking at a lot of initiatives that, or a lot of industries that felt meaningful by themselves. So we looked yeah. at healthcare, uh -huh. we looked at education, we looked at providing food to people. So mm. these things felt mm. meaningful. Sorry to interrupt. What a great idea. If you are thinking about setting up your own business, why don't you do the same thing? Just two columns, you know, passion. Yeah, what did you say? Yeah, exactly. Meaningful, Meaning. and, meaningful and big for us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And um, the funny thing is that Karim was nowhere on this list. Mm. Oh, really? Yeah. So <laughs> we, were, we were basically busy, busy looking at a lot of different ideas. Um, mm. And then one day... Uh, someone, um, I think it was an old colleague, who told us, guys, why don't you look at uh, this transportation space? Because mm. um, as a consultant, when we were traveling in the region, there's three parts to travel. You take flights, you stay in hotels, and you take ground transportation. Mm. And the ground transportation was the one thing that never worked really well. Mm. How you booked it, did the guy show up on time, did he know the location, you mm. had to haggle on the price, you had to pay cash, everything was kind mm. of broken. So we said, okay, maybe, let's look at it. But we were not so sure how meaningful and big mm -hmm. doing a car business would be. Um, but then we did some quick exercises and realized that it definitely can become big. Uh, we live in a big region, mm -hmm. 700 million people between uh, Morocco and Pakistan. Uh, public transport is largely underdeveloped. Mm -hmm. uh, and everyone uses, they need, everyone needs to go from place A to place B, or point A to point mm -hmm. B. So we realized it's definitely big. And on the meaningful side, we were struggling for a while. We were really not sure how mm. meaningful it would be to do mm. a car business. But that's when we came up with the name Karim. Mm. So Karim in Arabic, um, for those who speak who don't speak Arabic, uh, Karim means generous, uh, mm. so to be generous. And the whole notion and, and, and the values, the core values of Karim that we wrote down on the first day was that we wanted to be Karim. We wanted mm. to be Karim to our customers by providing a really, really awesome mm. service. We want to be carrying to our captains, which is what we call the drivers, um, mm. because we, most of these guys are quite humble, mm. and they don't necessarily have the easiest of lives, mm. and, and, and we really want to care for them. Mm. And lastly, we want to be carrying with our colleagues, so the mm. people that, that come on board the journey with us. Mm. 
So then we said, it's actually not so much about exactly what idea you have. It's more about how you go about doing it. Okay. Uh, yeah. And so that's how we got, we made it meaningful. And that's also when we called it Kareem. So that was basically the, 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 the story. And, and then we started Kareem on July 22nd, um, 2012, which happens to be the, the first day of Ramadan uh, mm-hmm. of that year. So it was a bit of a holy, holy day. <laughs> Where was Uber at the time? Had you looked at Uber as a model or...? So, I mean, I think we were aware of, uh, of, of other players in this space. Mm-hmm. Um, but back in 2012, this was still a very, very nascent space. Yeah, and yeah. and we, were not, we were not looking at, you know, what could be an interesting business from somewhere else that we can, you know, copy and bring mm-hmm. to the Middle East. We were actually looking at how can we solve this problem of the mm. business traveler mm. in the region. And um, so, f- for example, for the first almost year, I think, um, we only had the pre-scheduled booking. We didn't mm. have an on-demand booking. Okay. We didn't have an app because most corporates, they booked from the web mm. or they wanted to call our call center. Yeah. So we were, we were very much starting solving a local need okay. uh, and going after that. I think, of course, we, were, we looked at what's happening elsewhere mm. in the world, mm. but... Um, uh, not, not more than just you know being aware of what's out there. Okay, interesting. So then that first day of Ramadan when you were like finally from idea to reality. Yeah. So how was that? Like, okay, now we need to go out, take these all these plants and turn it into something. Yeah. Concrete. So, um, so uh, my co-founder Murasser, he is um, he's very ambitious. Um, mm. You know, I. I think that I'm quite ambitious too but he's very ambitious mm. so on that first day uh, the first thing we did was that we sat down and we wrote down the values of Kareem mm. and as I mentioned they are very much around us being Kareem but they were mm. also around you know world-class products and services and attracting awesome people and building a fun culture so we actually have that uh, that sheet uh, that we mm. created the first day the second thing we did was that we said let's create an ambitious plan for when can we have the first ride. Mm. Because as you start a startup, and I think um, it's quite common knowledge, but sometimes it's maybe challenging to understand what it means, is this concept of an MVP or a minimum viable product. Like what's mm. the absolutely simplest form of the product or service that you're trying to build that you can put out in the market so you can start learning? So we made an aggressive plan to have a six-week plan wow. uh, to do the first ride. Mm-hmm. And um, our MVP was basically a small uh, web page where you could go and you could uh, make a booking. You put the pickup location, drop-off location and the time. And then we got this booking as an email. And we had a phone that was buzzing, a very loud uh, ringtone uh, 24-7 when, whenever a booking came in. Mm-hmm. And we always had at least two hours uh, ahead of time, uh, two hours notice. And then we basically had a list of captains that we had met in the airport uh, while just walking around in the airport. Mm. Uh, and we started calling them one by one, oh, okay. to figuring out if anyone was free. Because at this point, we didn't have any technology. <laughs> we found one guy, and then we told him, the, this is the pickup. <laughs> and we, we sent him over there. And then we manually sent a message to the customer saying, hey, your car is on the way, or... And payment? How did you pay the driver? And how did you? So, in the very beginning, when we were a corporate product, we uh, only supported uh, monthly billing. So uh-huh. basically, the corporate clients, ah, the okay. business travelers, they could travel; they didn't have to pay, 
and then we sent them a, an invoice at the end of the month. Mm -hmm. um, but but basically the point was that we, I think our six weeks plan ran into six weeks and three days. Okay, so but uh, yeah. but in a very short period of time we we were able to get the first ride, and yeah, from there we started learning. Yeah. Uh, because you can, particularly when you try something new, mm. you have no idea of. Uh, what do customers mm. actually want? Mm. What features will they mm. love? What features will they not care about? Yeah. Uh, and then you just need to start learning, 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 yeah. learning. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah, no, one of my teachers, he always says that aim for version 3.0. The first version is just test and then make it better always. And then <laughs> aim for, aim for ver get to version 3.0 as quick as possible. Yeah. So. Yeah. so how did you get from that to developing the app? Because I think app is where you most people use it. Today, Directly. yeah. Today. No, so I think uh, having started being a corporate service, um, that that um, you know our typical customer in the early days were a professional uh, traveler that went to meetings or had to go to the airport or you know, and, and most of these bookings were or all these bookings were pre-bookings, mm. and then quickly, these people uh, that used us they realized that oh wow this is a decent service I might actually use this also for my personal rides. Mm. So people started booking us if they you know, went out at night or if they went for an important meeting or, or they had to take an early morning flight, particularly if they lived in places that were not easy to find alternative mm -hmm. uh, transport. Yeah. So for example, you know, we always call a Jumeirah Village Triangle. It, you know, in our terms, it was Jumeirah or Bermuda Triangle because you know, <laughs> if you ever got in there, most cars never got out of them. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, and, and so people started using us for, for other use cases uh -huh. and um, as very soon the request came up to say we actually want to book cars now so uh -huh. on demand not just pre-scheduled uh -huh. and um, so we said okay we need to we need to build this on-demand service and um, the on-demand service is much more suitable for an app mm. as opposed to the web or the mm -hmm. call center so then we built our first version of the app uh, on iOS and then we built our Android app and then we had to build an app for the captains, mm. and and then <coughs> very quickly um, the <coughs> excuse me very quickly the the business became more and more complex because mm. there is a lot of different pieces uh, yeah. to make all the infrastructure come together. Mm. But it, I think the important thing is that we had no idea where this was going to go when we started, mm. because if you think that you can plan ahead mm. uh, for a year for two mm. years. This is not how it works. Yeah, it's so fast-paced. Uh. Yeah, so you, you put something out yeah. there, you try it, you learn, yeah. and then you refine, and you refine, and you refine. So you mentioned learning a few times there. So how did you learn? Did you ask your uh, your clients? or What was the learning, how, how was the learning process? So I think um, listening, to, um, listening to both customers and to captains uh, is, is the most important thing you can do, right? Mm. So... Constantly, we, we were very keen to um, to collect feedback. People mm. could rate by email, by phone, by SMS, mm. and, and we followed up on every single um, every single piece of feedback we got. And I think mm. there is this. Um, at least I, I learned this from my previous life as a consultant that you know feedback is a gift and blah blah blah. Mm. Often it doesn't feel like that because when <laughs> someone is like shouting at you, you, you don't feel like it's uh, much of a gift. Yeah, but. <clears throat> In essence, it's actually true mm. because if you don't uh, get that feedback, you have no idea of mm. knowing what's working and what's yeah. not working. So um, we basically had from the first week of operations, 
we had a, at least a weekly meeting, sometimes several times per week, where we basically just said, what were all the things that broke down or didn't work in the last mm-hmm. week? Okay. And what can we learn from it? With the team? Um, with the, team, with the yeah. drivers as well? With the team. With the team, the internal team. In yeah, we, we, got cap- we got feedback from the captains and from customers, but then we had an internal meeting every week, which was just like, That's what did we learn? What broke down? Yeah. What can we fix? What broke down? Yeah. And you know you need to build a bit of uh, thick skin uh, yeah. and um, patience because um, you fix one thing yeah. and then the next thing comes <laughs> up and then you fix one thing and then the yeah. next thing comes yeah. up. Constant and never-ending improvement. Yeah. Yeah. Everything from you know captains forgetting to put uh, gas when they had a trip to between yeah. Abu Dhabi and Dubai and they got stranded in the middle of Sheikh Zayed Road <laughs> or uh, you know people didn't have their yeah. phone when they arrived in the airport so we couldn't find them yeah. and we had to start doing paging boards in the airport mm. so you know, a lot of we learned, we learned yeah. everything um, one step at a time mm-hmm. so the the biggest lessons from these first let's say one two years well what was the biggest lessons I think there are a couple of lessons um, the first lesson is that you have to be completely, completely crazy <laughs> about customer yeah. experience and customer service. Um, it is much better to build a small group of customers that are so loyal to you because they, they just love you. Yeah, yeah. And then they can spread the, um, the word of mouth as opposed to delivering something that is you know, half-assed to a lot mm. of people. Mm. So... You know, we took phone calls ourselves mm. 24-7. We slept with our mobile phones. In some cases, we had to drive ourselves mm. in the early days. Whatever it took to, to satisfy mm. our customer, mm. uh, we did. So I think that's one learning that, particularly in this region, I feel, people are, you know, desiring services and products mm. that are just awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and people are actually willing to pay for it as well. Mm. So, um, and, and delivering an operational service, particularly like ours, uh, it's not easy, mm. um, but you just have to be relentless in going after mm. it. So, 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 you know, focus on customer experience and customer service, that's one. The second, time, second thing that helped us a lot, and again, I learned a lot here from my co-founder, Modasser. Mm. Um, he had been in a startup um, Previously, in a couple of startups, startups in Silicon Valley, and one of the startups in Silicon Valley, they raised more than, I think, $100 million in their first round of funding. Mm-hmm. And so he, and then they burned all of it and they kind of went bankrupt. But so, so he had seen this whole thing of the value of being frugal mm. and the value of bootstrapping and running your business very, very lean. Mm. Um, and if you get that into the culture from the beginning, and I guess that's why we're sitting in a ser- server room having this interview. Yeah, we, the, <laughs> the office is quite busy here, so we <laughs> found a small server room yeah. to do the interviews. So. Yeah. Uh, but I think that's quite uh, telling of um, you know, getting that culture right from the beginning. Yeah. Uh, that will automatically help you get the people with the right mindset. Yeah. Um, this is not the place, you know, Karim is not the place where you should come and think that you will get the highest salary and get rich. Mm. But this is the place where you, we, we attract people that want to be part of, of our journey and mm. building, you know, we are on the mission of building an institution in the mm. region. Yeah. And, and with the Karim values. Yeah, and with yeah. the Karim values. So, 
So I think that's the second uh, learning to, to be to be very frugal and, and, and get the right culture. And then I think the third learning is um, you need to get the right people. Mm. So um, it's not easy to find people that are ready to take the risk that it like joining a, a, a true startup where mm. you have nothing. I mean, we mm. had put in a little bit of our own money and, and you know, we had this scrappy office and, and we mm. had basically nothing, right? You need to, and it's not necessarily cheap to live mm. in Dubai. Mm. So to find people that are willing to bet on you mm. um, in those early days, mm. um, it's not easy. Mm. But at the same time, you need to keep the bar high mm. because if you get the right people, then they, they can lift the business mm. amazing. Mm. Um, and that, yeah. that's what you need. Yeah. What, what resonates with your story that I really like is that the first day you said you sat down and re wrote down your values, yeah. not thinking how are we going to make money, it's like what do we want to do and why do we want to do it. I think that's a great, great part of the startup, you know, because then you can attract pe people that are, to, that are to align with those values. Yeah, you know? so yeah. It's, well, it's all, important that to... Mm, it's not only about the money, it's to... Yeah, and it's important to, to say kind of what you are and what you are not, mm. right? Mm. And then uh, it's very challenging to, you know, you put up a, a job post on, on Duvizel mm. and you get 50,000 responses. Mm. Unless you know what you're looking for, uh, both in terms of capabilities, but also in terms of uh, mm. personalities and yeah. values, then you're going to be lost. Yeah. yeah. So shall we fast forward to today? Are, yeah. are you operating in how many countries? We are in 10 countries, okay. uh, in 24 cities. Yeah. yeah, and you mentioned that you had a bell in the beginning that was ringing each time. Do you still have that bell, or because I think it will be ringing constantly? Yeah, no, no, we, we, uh, we had to uh, abandon that um, booking bell after a while. Um, yeah. It was fun, uh, it was fun, uh, but it got a bit too annoying. <laughs> I can imagine, yeah. And um, if you look at uh, your competitor I guess Uber is one of your big competitors and there are other startups I think similar in the yeah. region what are you trying to do to stand up and stand out and be different from from these guys I guess you had this question before yeah no no it's uh, <laughs> it's a question we hear a lot yeah. uh, I think um, it's a couple of uh, interesting characteristics of this industry right so first of all you know this car booking service mm. um, it is a completely a city-by-city city game. So mm. um, if I'm really good in, in Riyadh, uh, mm. that doesn't really help my customers in Cairo. Mm. Or it doesn't really you need help. to adjust. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, so for, for the global small elite that travels mm. a lot, it's obviously great if I can use the same app mm. everywhere I go. Mm. Of course, that's great. But for the majority of people, they actually spend you know, most of their time, if not all of their time, in one city. Mm. So, so, so this makes the, the network effects, which is you know something you look for as an as an entrepreneur and as a business builder. You want it to be your business to get stronger and stronger the more people that join, mm. and that is true within the city, mm. because the more customers you have in the city, the more cars you have, the more captains you will have, and then the availability will become better. The ETAs will become lower, mm. and you get more customers and more captains. So, within a city, there is a very strong network effect, mm. but. Between cities, it's not as strong. Mm. So for us, this is all about how can we make our service the best mm. in, in, in the region that we're in. Mm. And we believe that our region um, is quite different mm. than 
other regions. Mm. And um, from the day we started, um, we have been looking at how can we solve those challenges mm. or go after those opportunities that this region presents. And, and just to, without mentioning all of them, just some examples, right, to highlight. Mm. Um, in this region, um, credit card penetration is quite low. Mm. And even where credit card exists, people are not necessarily comfortable using them online. Yeah. So, so uh, when we decided to go and offer cash as a mm. payment option, which seems like something very simple uh, mm. because you know, people have been operating with cash in mm. hundreds of years, uh, as a tech company, it is challenging yeah, to, to use yeah. cash. You guys, it's the opposite now. It's yeah. easy every car yeah, yeah. because of the drivers. Yeah. yeah, so you have a lot of operational mm. challenges. But we said, you know, we have to do it. Mm. This is what our region needs. Yeah. Similarly, locations are not easy in this mm. part of the world. Yeah. Even if you look at um, the Googles and the TomToms and the Garmin's of the world, yeah. none of them is necessarily focusing on this region. Yeah. I think most people that use Google Maps in Dubai or Abu Dhabi have, has experienced yeah. that it's not always correct because it's it's changing so fast. It so. changes, and sometimes you you are just you know getting actually completely the wrong place. So we have built mm. and we are building our own layer of locations, mm. um, uh, you know, to help people navigate. Okay. And and um, and similarly, this whole notion of having a call center, mm. it is it started with us wanting to serve our, our corporate customers because they prefer to call mm. to make a booking or they needed extra help. But we also realized that it plays an important role in serving our captains mm. because often things are not that easy. The captain might not understand the customer or he cannot find the exact location mm. or he wants to check something. And, and, and then we have our call center that, that acts as that bridge. Ah, okay. So if you book a Kareem, you will never have a captain calling and asking, ah, but where is your, where is mm. your place? Because Hopefully the technology will will navigate in there, mm. and if not, then he will call our call center. Will that will guide? Ah, okay. So in summary, you know, we believe that by constantly looking at what are the challenges in this region, mm -hmm. um, and they're even different between you know a Riyadh is different than a Jeddah or yeah, different yeah. than a Karachi, mm. for example. But by looking at those at, at our cities and saying, what are the things that people are are um, are being challenged with mm. and let us try to solve those things mm. uh, yeah. that's how we think we will yeah, yeah. have an edge yeah that's great I, I use Kareem several times and I, it's been a great service so uh, uh, yeah what was I thinking yeah okay let's fast forward five years from now uh, where do you see Kareem five years from now so what you realize when you start looking at um, at this sector of, of transportation you realize that you know even though we are growing very fast, we're still just scratching the surface mm. of the total transportation um, kind of sector of transportation need. Mm. So you know our vision is that in we want to be the the biggest mover of people mm -hmm. and things mm -hmm. in the broader Middle East. Mm. So for now we're focusing on moving people, and mm. we still have a long way to make sure that we do that really well. Mm. But once you're really good at moving people, it's, it's, it's quite easy to start moving other stuff as mm, well. Mm. Whether it is you know, a, a document as mm. a courier, or whether it is food, mm. or whether it's other stuff. And we have done some small pilots here and there mm. to just mm. test how it works. Yeah. And I think... Um, yeah, personally, yeah. I would love a service like that, because many times uh, I, I'm on the road a lot, and then you have this uh, package that's coming, and then can you be in that location between 9 and 4? 
like no. <laughs> yeah. So if yeah. they could come where you are, just based on the app, I mean that that, uh, yeah. that yeah, would no, be I a great service. I hope we, you will launch that service. Yeah, no, no. I mean, you know, I think we're all testing it a bit ourselves when we forget mm. the forget the computer charger at home and you can book a Kareem and and, and he can go mm. and pick it up mm. and then come over. Yeah. So I think the the use case is clear. Mm. We need to evolve the product a bit to to cater to that in mm. a more uh, focused way. Yeah. Um, but that's, that's that's the vision, and you know, mm. we we see. As I mentioned, the region from the, what we call the broader Middle East, mm. it's uh, more than 700 million people. Um, more than half of them already live in the cities. So it's, it's a big urban population that we mm. are super excited about. So mm. Okay, excellent. It's yeah. so, a nice vision. We're, we're trying to keep the podcast uh, between 20 to 30 minutes so it fits a commute in Dubai. But, well, you, you have a lot of lessons and a lot of stories to tell, so we could do this forever, but maybe we can do another episode in the future. Any, uh, I think we're going to finish off there, but any last advice you would give to aspiring entrepreneurs? I think my, my advice would be that um, I meet some entrepreneurs. Um, I, I try to, to mentor some, some young uh, startups. And... Um, Sometimes you hear this concern that people have this, they, they feel they have this great idea and they cannot share the idea because it's so top secret mm. and, and they're, they're gonna, this idea is going to make it or break it. I, I believe that it's lot, a lot less about the idea mm. and a lot more about actually going out and mm. making it happen. Yeah. And I think that there is so much opportunity almost everywhere here and so many unserved uh, markets, so many unmet needs. Mm. So for me, it's much more about figure out what you're passionate about mm. because if you're going to keep doing it every day you, you better be passionate <laughs> about it yeah. so figure out what you're passionate about yeah. and then find some idea that doesn't seem completely yeah. terrible yeah. and you know that's the bar yeah. it doesn't have to be uh, much <laughs> better than that and then just go out and do it yeah. I mean, that's yeah. the yeah. that's the advice is this ideas versus execution the yeah, idea with no execution is nothing you know? so it's all about execution yeah excellent thank you so much it was really interesting to to interview you and I hope the listeners uh, found some value in, in your journey from going from the corporate world to uh, an idea to an uh, existing business that is thriving and it's g growing a lot uh, all over the place. So thank you so much for listening and uh, if you um, have any other uh, entrepreneurs in the region you think you, we should interview, just drop us an email and let us know and uh, thank you so much for tuning in. Thank you. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Swanglinese with your hosts, Barry Lee Cummings and Oscar Endermo. We'll catch you next time.